Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Keto coffee. Deadpool water. Premier protein, 30 grams with a banana. And that's my, uh, that's my food for the whole day. And when I come home from work, I'm gonna have a delicious meal. Probably some meatloaf. Um, some veggies, whatever. That's the beauty of uh, intermittent fasting. Uh, that Americano that I have every morning, it really curves my appetite. Um, I, I use butter, um, some sweetener if you want, and uh, coconut oil. But, I mean, that's when I feel really hungry. And I know it's kind of cheating with the fasting. But I'm not having a meal, you know, like, so the protein shake and the banana could be considered a meal technically, but I'm not having a real sit down meal, hot plate of veggies and meat until I get home from work. And that's okay. Drink a lot of water, have your Americano, fills you up and curves the appetite. And I'm able to, because for me, I feel very sluggish when I, uh, when I eat too much, I get the, as we Hawaiians say, we got the Kanak attack. So we, we get the Hawaiian paralysis, eat a little bit too much chicken and rice and mac salad and you want to go take a nap. But with this, I feel, uh, I just starting work, so I'm a little tired, but as far as food, if I have like a breakfast sandwich, a burrito for lunch, and then rice, chicken, and mac salad for dinner, that's so much starch and carbs for one whole day and not whole, not a whole lot of protein that I just end up getting bloated and I just don't feel good when I do that. I feel so much better in the long run when I do this, when I do intermittent fasting, when I drink a lot of water, drink black coffee, or if I feel like cheating, I, I do, uh, I put some butter and uh, coconut oil some with some sweetener to make it more filling uh, as a meal replacement per se so anyway that's what i've been up to lately but uh, i'm gonna do a read-along to matthew chapter five because uh, me and the wife read this and it really blessed me so i think it could really um for people who probably don't like reading the bible let's be honest um, that's okay. How about we read it together in the new international version, right? So I'm looking on my work phone here, recording this and, um, let's do it, you know? So, so let's read Matthew chapter five. I'm reading out the new international version. Matthew is, uh, the first uh, book of the New Testament, very easy to find. And uh, let's go to Matthew chapter five. I'm gonna start from verse one. So it's talking of Jesus. Uh, when, now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them saying, verse three, 
Blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. That is an awesome promise. If you want to call out to God and you, and you are hungry and you're thirsty for his righteousness, he's going to fill you. That's an awesome prayer to pray. Um, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Awesome. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You, believer, child of God, you are the salt of the earth. In verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, and if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled by men. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill uh, cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. So in the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I love that. I'm going to say that again. Matthew chapter 5, 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before men. Go shine, bro. Go shine for the Lord. That they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Awesome. Verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. And I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Okay? So... This is where we're going to get into a part of the sermon that he's going to be quoting from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy, from Exodus, what have you, that they considered the law, that they really focused on keeping. The law, the law, the law. Do this, don't do that. Uh, Performance-based. Make sure you do this correctly. If, if you do better, I'm holier than thou, right? That's the mentality that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, whatever, all the Jews had of that tradition is trying to perform to to obtain God's favor, right? But Jesus is abolishing all of that. Um, and matter of fact, no. Let me uh, let me go back to what he was actually saying. This thing automatically scrolled down, so I have to go back to where I was. I'm sorry. He said that he didn't come to abolish it, but he has come to fulfill them. So it's not saying that he didn't put away with the law and, uh, you know, that it's disintegrated and gone. Because, matter of fact, God gave the law because that's what man asked for, right? So they didn't want to live face to face with God. So they rather have a list of rules to live by. So God gave it to them, okay? So don't blame God for the Ten Commandments. We asked for them, okay? Uh, so Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish all of that. I came to fulfill them. Because love is the fulfillment of the law, right? So this is how he's going to show you how to walk in love and to fulfill the law. 
right? So here's verse 18. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished, okay? So let's not throw out the Torah. Let's not throw out the law here, okay? That's what he's saying. It's not going anywhere. Verse 19, so anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. For, in verse 20, for I tell you, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And uh, you have heard that it is said to the people long ago, do not murder, right? And anyone who murders will be subject to the judgment. Verse 22. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or has hate in his heart towards his brother then he will be subject to judgment. Again, who says to his brother Raka, who is, uh, who is answerable to the Sanhedrin, but anyone who says, you fool, you will be in danger of hellfire. So therefore, in verse 23, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, just leave your gift there in the front of the altar and go first and be reconciled with your brother. Make right first. Forgive. Make right. And then come and offer your gift. Okay? So verse 25, he says, Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. So do it while you are still standing, uh, while you're still with him on the way, and he will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the officer, that you may th be thrown into prison. Let's talk about that later. <laughs> but 26, I tell you the truth, that you will not get out until you have paid every last penny. Number 27. For you have heard that it said, do not commit adultery. Right? Let's see. But I tell you that anyone who even looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay? So it's not about performance. Jesus is revealing the heart of the issue. And... And let me let me tell you this from verses 29 through uh, 29 and 30. Please don't take this literally, okay? This is all a metaphor, okay? Don't do this. Verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body be thrown into hell. Same thing with verse 30. If you... If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to go into hell. Okay? Don't do any of that. It's a metaphor. Okay? Verse 31. It has been said that anyone who divorces his wife, he must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for mar maritable, marital unfaithfulness or uh, sexual adultery, right? Causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Jesus permits you to get divorced only if they cheat on you. Only if they are sexually uh, immoral or they're unfaithful in the marriage. You have full legal right to divorce. But he is able to restore all things. Anything's possible. He can make it work.
Um, let's see. So verse 33, again, you have heard that it is said to the people long ago that do not break your oath, but keep your oaths that you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, Jesus said in verse 34, don't even swear at all, either by heaven or by God's, for it is God's throne, or even by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, and because you can't even make one hair go white or black. So just simply, in verse 37, just let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Anything beyond this becomes from the evil one. So if you have heard, is it, heard it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? Revenge. Go get it. But verse 39 says, But I tell you, don't resist an evil person. If they strike you on the right cheek, turn him the other cheek also. Right? If someone wants to sue you for your tunic, let them have your cloak as well. If they want, if they want your shirt, give them your jacket too. Okay. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. If uh, and give to the one who asks you, don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Right. You have heard it said, "Love your neighbor and hate your enemy." Right. And this is the old law now. Jesus is going to fulfill it with this. Verse forty-four. But I tell you to love your enemies. What? How do we do that? Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. It rains on the just and the unjust. So if you love those who only love you, what reward is that? Don't even tax collectors do that, right? If you greet only your brothers... What are you doing more for others? Like, don't even pagans do that? Right? So, be perfect or mature, therefore, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Now, especially with that last verse, you may be thinking, I'm not perfect. God, why are you asking me to be perfect? You are perfected in Christ Jesus. And in, in a way, you're being perfected as far as your your attitudes or your habits whatever god is changing all these things but we we learn and encounter that identity precedes behavior so the more you learn about who you really are your behavior will change not not with uh focusing on i got to do this got to do that by like keeping the law but it's more about just finding just discovering who you are falling in love with jesus and now i read you all that to not to tell you to keep the law but exactly what jesus was teaching to love your enemy to just let your yes be yes and your no be no to look at the bigger picture and be blessed to know that god is on your side to know that um that you don't have to earn his grace. You don't have to perform well to keep the law so Jesus can love you. He said to go shine. I want you guys to go shine today. I'm going to go back to that verse because uh, I like that. That really blessed me when he said go shine the light. You are the light of the world. Mm. That's beautiful.
Verse 14, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a lamp and uh, light up a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So whatever you do, man, like Paul said, let whatever you do be done unto the, unto the Lord. I drive trucks. I'm driving trucks for Jesus. I'm driving trucks with Jesus. He is with me. I do it for him, with him. I'm all about him. And uh, everybody that I come across knows it. I don't shove the Bible down their throat, but I love them with the love of Jesus. And uh, I hope that encouraged everyone. I'm going to start doing this more that uh, probably some people that watch this probably don't read the Bible. And that's fine. Let's read it together and let's talk about it together. So if you guys have any questions or concerns, prayer requests, let me know. And I'll see you all next time on the Fight of Faith. Remember, the victory is already won. And, uh, and God is on your side. He loves you and he favors you. God bless you guys. And remember to keep fighting the good fight of faith. God bless.